this year. This year, she felt she was put upon. If she saw one more picture of a 47-year-old woman smiling at her out of a magazine with the body of an 18-year-old, gleaming skin, 56 white, even teeth and shiny hair, Ethel was going to go after her with a carving knife. This year, for the first time, she didn't look forward to Christmas. This year she'd made the calculation, the thought, the work, the worry, the bone-aching tiredness on one side of the scales, the pleasure of the family on the other. They didn't even begin to balance. With a heavy heart she realised that it wasn't worth it. She didn't do anything dramatic. She didn't do anything at all. She bought no tree, she mended no fairy lights. She sent six cards to people who really needed cards. There was no excited talking about weights of turkey and length of time cooking the ham as in other years. There were no lists, no excursions for late-night shopping. She came home after work, made the supper, cleared it away, washed up and sat down and looked at the television. Eventually, they noticed. When are you getting the tree, Ethel? her husband asked her good-naturedly. The tree? She looked at him blankly as if it were a strange Scandinavian custom that hadn't hit Ireland. He frowned. Sean will get the tree this year, he said, looking thunderously at his elder son. Are the mince pies done yet? Brian asked her. She smiled at him dreamily. Done? she asked. Made? Like cooked? You know, in tins like always. He was confused. I'm sure the shops are full of them all right, she said. Ethel's husband shook his head warningly at Brian, the younger son. The subject was dropped. Next day, Teresa said to the others that there was no turkey in the freezer, nor had one been ordered. And Ethel turned up the television so that she wouldn't hear the family conference that she knew was going on in the kitchen. They came to her very formally. They reminded her of a trade union delegation walking up the steps to arbitration, or like people delivering a letter of protest at an embassy. This year it's going to be different, Ethel. Her husband's voice was gruff at the awkward, unfamiliar words. We realise that we haven't been doing our fair share. No, don't deny it. We've all discussed it, and this year you'll find that it'll be different. We'll do all the washing up after Christmas dinner, Sean said. And clear away all the wrapping paper, added Brian. And I'll ice the cake when you've made it, I mean after the almond icing, Teresa said. She looked at them all one by one with a pleasant smile, as she always had. That'd be very nice, she said. She spoke somehow remotely. She knew they wanted more. They wanted her to leap up there and then and put on a penny, crying that now she knew they'd each do one chore, then she'd work like a demon to catch up. Buzz, buzz, fuss, fuss. But she didn't have the energy. She wished they'd stop talking about it. Her husband patted her hand. Not just words, you know, Ethel. We've very concrete plans, and it'll begin before Christmas. Actually, it'll begin tomorrow. So don't come into the kitchen for a bit. We want to finalise our discussions. They all trooped back to the kitchen again. She lay back in her chair. She hadn't wanted to punish them, to withhold affection, to sulk her way into getting a bit more help. It was no carefully planned victory, no cunning ploy.
She could hear them murmuring and planning. She could hear their voices getting excited and then shushing each other. They were trying so hard to make up for the years of not noticing. Yes, that's all it was, simply not noticing how hard she worked. It just hadn't dawned on them how unequal was the situation where five adults left the house in the morning to go out to work and one adult kept the house running as well. Of course, she could always give up her job and be a full-time wife and mother, but that seemed a foolish thing to do now, at this stage, when the next stage would be the empty nest that people talked about. They were all saving for deposits, so they didn't really give her much, and they were her own children. You couldn't ask them for real board and lodging now, could you? No, no, it was her own fault that they hadn't seen how hard she worked and how tired she was, or hadn't seen until now. She listened happily to the conversation in the kitchen. Well, now they knew, God bless them. Perhaps it hadn't been a bad thing at all to be a bit listless. Even though it had come from within, it wasn't an act she'd put on. Next morning, they asked her what time she'd be home from work. Well, like every day, around half past six, she said. Could you make it half past seven, they asked. Well, she could indeed. She could have a nice drink with her friend Maura from work. Maura, who said that she was like a mat for that family to walk on. It'd be deeply satisfying to tell Maura that she couldn't go home since the family were doing all the pre-Christmas preparations for her. You could always go to the supermarket, Teresa said. Am I to do any shopping? Ethel was flustered. She'd thought that they were seeing to all that. She saw the boys frown at Teresa. Or do whatever you like, I mean, Teresa said. You won't forget foil, will you? Ethel said anxiously, if they were going to do all this baking, it'd be awful if they ran out of things. Foil? They looked at her blankly. Maybe I'll come back early and give you a bit of a hand. There was a chorus of disagreement. Nobody wanted that. No, no, she was to stay out. It was four days before Christmas. This would be a Christmas like no other. Wait and see. But she couldn't be at home. They all went off to work or college. She noticed that the new regime hadn't involved clearing away their breakfast things, but Ethel told herself it would be curmudgeonly to complain about clearing away five cups and saucers and plates and cornflake bowls and washing them and drying them. She wanted to leave the kitchen perfect for them and all they were going to do. She wondered that they hadn't taken out the cookery books. She'd leave them in a conspicuous place, together with all those cookery articles she'd cut from the paper and clipped together with a big clothes peg. But she must stop fussing, she'd be late for work. Mara was delighted at the invitation to a drink after work. What happened? Did they all fly off to the Bahamas without you or something? she asked. Ethel laughed. Oh, that was just Mara's way, making little of the married state. She hugged her secret to herself, her family who were going to do everything. Things were exciting at the office. They were all going to get new office furniture in the new year, and the old stuff was being sold off at a ridiculous price. Ethel wondered, would Sean like the computer table, or would Brian like the small desk? Nothing would be too good for them this year. But then did second-hand goods look shabby, as if you didn't care? With the unaccustomed buzz of two hot whiskies to light her home, Ethel came up the path and let herself in the door. I'm back, she called. May I come into the kitchen? They were standing there, sheepish and eager. 
her heart was full of love for them, while she'd been out drinking whiskey with lemon and cloves in it, stretching her legs and talking about the new office layout with Maura they'd been slaving. Poor Maura had to go back to her empty flat, while lucky Ethel had this family who'd promised her that things would be different this year. She felt a prickling round her nose and eyes, and hoped that she wasn't going to cry. She never remembered them giving her a treat or a surprise. That's what made this one all the better. For her birthday it had been a couple of notes folded over from her husband and a request to buy herself something nice. Cards from the children, not every year, and for Christmas they'd clubbed together to get her something that the house needed. Last year it had been an electric can opener. The year before it had been lagging for the cylinder. How could she have known that they'd change? They looked at her, all of them, waiting for her reaction. They wanted her to love it, whatever they'd done. She hoped they'd found the candied peel. It was in one of those cartons without much identification on it, but even if they hadn't, she'd say nothing. She looked around the kitchen. There was no sign of anything baked or blended or stirred or mixed or prepared, and still they looked at her, eager and full of anticipation. She followed their eyes. A large and awkward-looking television set took up the only shelf of workspace that had any length or breadth in it. An indoor area rose from it perilously, meaning that the shelves behind it couldn't be got at. They stood back so that she could view the full splendour of it. Sean turned it on with a flourish like a ringmaster at a circus. Ta-da! he cried. It was black and white. Terribly sharp image, Sean said. More restful...